0: Thank you so much for joining me in this episode. We're going to continue our recurring productive reading series, this time talking about lessons I've learned from Greg McEwan's newest book, Effortless. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 349. So, as I said, uh, we are continuing our productive reading recurring series. This is a series that I started, I don't know, two or three years ago, where every so often when there is a book that I've read related to productivity and making a meaningfully productive life that I feel is worth sharing. I will talk about that book, give you kind of some of my key takeaways and that sort of thing. Uh, In the past, we've talked about lessons and key takeaways I found in books such as Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, which was episode 133. Uh, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, a really wonderful book, was the subject of episode 147. Episode 166 featured my takeaways from actually three books written by Brene Brown, and episode 182, we talked about Courtney Carver's Soulful Simplicity. The Free Time Formula by Jeff Sanders was the subject of episode 211, and James Clear's wonderful Atomic Habits, really a a life-changing book in a lot of ways, uh, was episode 230, In episode 250, we talked about Free to Focus by Michael Hyatt, and episode 271 was about Attention Management, a book by Maura Neville Thomas. And then most recently, we talked about the Minimalist Home by Joshua Becker in episode 324. So there's been a variety of books that we've talked about. And like I said, this is a recurring series, not on any particular schedule, just as I find a book that I think is worth sharing, I will do an episode talking about it. Well, this time I'm sharing some of my most important takeaways from a new book by Greg McKeown, who's the author of one of my very favorite productivity books. And when I mentioned many times on the show, Essentialism, the Disciplined Pursuit of Less. His new book is called Effortless, and I have been looking forward to talking with you about it. So let's get into that. So who is, I always start with, you know, the author, who is Greg McEwen? Well, the book cover flap copy, the back copy says this about it. Greg McEwen is a speaker, a best-selling author and the host of the popular podcast, What's Essential? He's been covered by the New York Times, Fast Company, Fortune, Politico, and Inc., and has been interviewed on NPR, NBC, Fox, and the Steve Harvey Show. He's also among the most popular bloggers for LinkedIn and is a young global leader for the World Economic Forum. McEwen's New York Times bestselling book, Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less has sold more than a million copies worldwide. Originally from London, England, he now lives in California with his wife, Anna, and their four children. So that's who Greg McEwen is. And he kind of came on the scene for most of us, uh, with the publication of his book essentialism, which, as I said, I've talked about it many times, lots of other productivity podcasters have mentioned it. It really is one of the most influential books that I've read about productivity. And as such, it's one that I return to periodically for inspiration and motivation. And so when I learned that he had released a new book, I ordered it immediately and read it as soon as it arrived with a pencil in hand, taking notes and marking key passages. There's so much good in it, and it was definitely worth reading on the front flap of the cover, uh, it says this about it. And it kind of, this, this is the stuff that really got me interested in reading this particular book it says getting ahead doesn't have to be as hard as we make it. There is a better way. Instead of pushing yourself harder, you can find an easier path. Effortless offers actionable advice for making the most essential activities, the easiest ones, so you can achieve the results you want without burning out. Well, that got my attention, even if I hadn't already been inclined to want to read it because I I love um, essentialism so much. The cover copy goes on to say this, uh, that kind of gives a really good summary of what happens in this book. Effortless teaches you how to turn tedious tasks into enjoyable rituals, set a sustainable pace, simplify your processes and remove unnecessary steps, make one-time choices that eliminate many future decisions, prevent frustration by solving problems before they arise and make relationships easier to maintain and manage. I mean, you know, a big mission, a big and lofty goal for a book to accomplish. But I feel like it does those things. The book is subtitled, make it easier to do what matters most. And it really is about just that it reminds me as I was reading it, I was thinking about something that I remember my former horse trainer used to always say about training horses, make the right thing easy and the wrong thing harder. And that's kind of what this book is about, figuring out ways uh, to make it easier to do those things that are most important. The introductory section, uh, starts out by saying, basically, not everything has to be so hard. And it, it was really, it really pulled me into the book because it, it I don't know, pushed a lot of buttons for me. Our culture, as he points out, tends to equate hard work and success, um, glorify the hustle and see busyness and exhaustion as a badge of honor. Um, this, I think, honestly makes it harder to be truly productive rather than easier. It makes it less likely that we're going to be productive rather than more likely if we are so, if we have bought into this idea that it's all about hustling and working hard and being so busy that we're exhausted all the time. And he he talks about that in the opening section of the book. One of the things he said that I had marked was it doesn't help that our culture glorifies burnout as a measure of success and self-worth. The implicit message is that if we aren't perpetually exhausted, we must not be doing enough. That great things are reserved for those who bleed, for those who almost break. Crushing volume is somehow now the goal. And I found myself kind of nodding my head as I read that. I thought, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it feels sometimes. Certainly in my profession, I I see that in lawyers. I've seen it in myself, that if we're not constantly overloaded, overworked, and exhausted, that we're not, you know, we're not committed enough. And I, I think a lot of us feel that way. He goes on to say in that same section, and I'm quoting here, it is true that hard work can equal better results but this is true only to a point. After all, there's an upper limit to how much time and effort we can invest. And the more depleted we get, the more our return on that effort dwindles. This cycle can continue until we are burned out and exhausted and still haven't produced the results we really want. I don't know about you, but I felt that just going and going and pushing and and working hard and working long hours and, and, and just exhausted, but still not achieving the results I want. And so again, this really resonated with me as I read it. Uh, Another thing that he said that I, I found myself really relating to was this, For some, the idea of working less hard feels uncomfortable. We feel lazy. We fear we'll fall behind. We feel guilty for not going the extra mile each time. This mindset, conscious or not, may have its roots in the Puritan idea that the act of doing hard things always has inherent value. Puritanism went beyond embracing the hard. It extended to also distrusting the easy, but achieving our goals efficiently isn't unambitious. It's smart. It's a liberating alternative to both hard work and laziness. One that allows us to preserve our sanity while still accomplishing everything we want. And I, you know, have you felt that way? This, this sort of feeling of that, if it's easy, it must not be worthwhile that everything worthwhile is, is a slog is going to be hard, is going to be, you know, difficult. And if, if it's not, we're just being lazy. Um, I I love that, you know, that he kind of digs in behind the mindset that a lot of us have without even realizing it where, when he says that, that Puritanism that kind of is behind it went beyond embracing the hard, and extended to distrusting the easy. If it's easy, it must not be worthwhile, right? And I wonder if this is more uniquely American or if those in other countries also have this mindset. Because of course, when I think of Puritanism, I think of, you know, early American uh, colonists and the the very stern, hardworking Puritans. But I wonder if, Uh, this, um, extends to other countries. I know Americans, for instance, notoriously don't use up their vacation days each year while those in some other countries routinely take long vacations each year. And so I would love to know if you live somewhere other than America, what's it like where you are? Is this, um, thing that he's talking about here, this sort of feeling guilty if we're not working really, really hard all the time, is that common in your culture or in your country? I'd love to hear about that. Uh, you can send me an email about it at, at feedback at theproductivewoman or you know, comment on in the show notes uh, f- for this episode. So anyway, the book after the introduction has uh, three main sections, each of which answer a key question. Uh, he talks about the effortless state and that is the condition of being effortless, effortless action and effortless results. And uh, each of them answer a question. Uh, So for the section about effortless state, uh, his question is, how can we make it easier to focus? Because he talks about how when you kind of get in the zone, whatever you're doing, even if it's a really challenging, uh, task, when we get into that zone, it feels effortless. You just, you're kind of there and you're in it and you're going and it it feels easier. And so the question is, how can we do that? How can we get to where we can focus more easily and we can get into that effortless state, effortless condition, Uh, One of the things he says in that section that I thought was good is the first step toward making things more effortless is to clear the clutter in our heads and our hearts. And he goes into the details here. I'm trying to just hit the highlights. It was hard for me to kind of narrow down, um, just a, a few things to share with you because there's so much meat in this book. Uh, he says, when your brain is filled with clutter, like outdated assumptions, negative emotions, and toxic thought patterns, you have less mental energy available to perform what's most essential. And so think about that. If you are, wanting to make it easier to do the essential things, you want to have the necessary mental energy to do those things. But as he said, if, if our brain is cluttered up with these outdated assumptions, negative emotions, or toxic thought patterns, they're using up the mental energy that we have, which will make it harder to do those essential tasks. And so he talks about clearing out the clutter in our brains And he also talks about something called the concept of inversion. When we've got an assumption about how something is going to work, that it's going, this is really going to be challenging. Or when we're overwhelmed by a task or a project, he talks about inverting it to what, what Inversion is to, as he says, to turn an assumption or approach upside down, to work backward and to ask, what if the opposite were true? So for instance, our assumption that worthwhile things take enormous effort. Well, inversion turns that on its head and asks, what if this worthwhile thing could be easy? And then to start brainstorming from there. Uh, He says, when we feel overwhelmed, it may not be because the situation is inherently overwhelming. It may be because we are overcomplicating something in our own heads. Um, (laughs) I, uh, you know, that was something I kind of underlined because I, I... I could say that I'm a little bit known for overthinking things. And so this was another thing that really kind of, you know, made me smile a little bit because I recognize myself in it. I get overwhelmed by certain things because maybe it's not because it's inherently overwhelming and difficult, but because I'm overthinking it and overcomplicating it. So those are, you know, some of the things that he talks about in this section on the effortless state. Then the next section is on effortless action. And the question this section asks is, how can we make essential work easier to do? So we start by getting into the flow, so to speak, Uh, figuring out how to be able to focus better because that's a key to getting anything done. And then when we, we've gotten into the effortless state and we've cleared out the clutter in our minds and we're ready to move forward, how can we make essential work easier to do? And there are a lot of, of very practical things he talks about in this section of the book, but a couple of things that really caught my attention was first of all, define what done looks like. We're more, more likely to accomplish our goals if we define very specifically the outcome we're looking for. So before we start working, we've envisioned what the outcome is. How will we know when we're done? Uh, One thing he said on this point that I thought was really good is if you want to make something hard, indeed, truly impossible to complete, all you have to do is make the end goal as vague as possible. That's because you cannot, by definition, complete a project without a clearly defined endpoint. To get an important project done, it's absolutely necessary to define what done looks like. You know, that's such a, uh, you read that and you kind of think, well, duh, obviously. And yet we don't do that, do we? So often we sort of dive in on whatever this project is or this task that we want to do that we're we're thinking is really complicated and difficult uh, and we really don't have a clearly defined end in mind and so he he offers in the book uh, some really great suggestions on defining that endpoint d- defining for ourselves what done looks like another thing he talks about in this section about making essential work easier to do, is make it easy to start. And uh, again, he gets into very practical ideas about how to do that. So often uh, what's hard about doing these really essential, important projects or tasks that we have is just getting ourselves started. And a lot of times we don't start because we don't know where to start. Uh, He says in this, we often get overwhelmed because we misjudge what the first step is. What we think is the first step is actually several steps. But once we break that step down into concrete physical actions, that first obvious action begins to feel effortless. Now we've talked about this on The Productive Woman several times in the past, the idea, kind of the difference between a task and a project and how often we mix them up what we write on our to-do list as a task really isn't a task at all. It's a project. It's got several pieces to it. But the way we get started is we find the easiest way in. We, we break that down into the smallest, most discreet actions that we can take until it's easy, as he sa- says, you know, effortless to start because it's, it's so easy to do that first task uh, and check it off the list and move on. He talks about the concept of the minimum viable first action. Um, and he defines that in one place as the action that will allow us to gain the maximum learning from the least amount of effort, or it could be the maximum result from the least amount of effort. But think about that. Instead of making a grand entrance into this project and knocking out the whole thing in you know one fell swoop, think about the minimum viable first action. What's the tiniest first step you could take to move in the direction of accomplishing the, this result that you have defined what done looks like. Uh, so I thought that was really good in this, also in the section about effortless action and how can we make essential work easier to do? He does talk about how we, we slow ourselves down and we hold ourselves back through things in our mind and so it goes back to the what we talked about er, earlier in the effortless state section uh, the the clutter in our minds um he says perfection makes essential projects hard to start self doubt makes them hard to finish and trying to do too much too fast makes it hard to maintain momentum and it gets into this whole uh, discussion in this section about Uh, setting a sustainable pace instead of, you know, diving in too hard, too fast, and burning out too quickly. You know, a simple example that always comes to mind as I think about this is how, you know, after the first of the year, we all have these these resolutions or these goals, I'm going to get into shape and we go off to the gym and we work out really hard uh, and, um, you know, kill ourselves. We, we, we end up so sore and so achy. We can't go back the next day. Instead of, starting slow and gradually building. And so I I love the section that he has about um, creating a sustainable pace so that it's easy to keep going instead of making it harder for ourselves. And then the third section of the book is about effortless results. And the question this section answers is how can we get the highest return on the least effort? And even just reading that, the the sort of Puritan in the back of my head is saying, well, you lazy bum, why are you trying to figure out the way to do the least effort, get the most for the least? But that's the, the, outdated assumption and the the toxic thought patterns that he talks about earlier, I had to just sort of smile at myself as I was thinking about that. There's nothing wrong with being efficient and with getting a great return without, without having to invest crushing effort, And so in this section, he talks about residual results, which is where you exert effort once and reap the benefits again and again. And he gives lots of examples for this, uh, you know, but basically it's things like setting up systems that work for you, which is an investment of time at the beginning that gains you benefits in time and energy over the long haul. He talks about creating cheat sheets checklist, basically, that you think through once and use each time you do a particular activity to make sure things uh, get done efficiently and correctly. He says, the idea of a cheat sheet is simply to get things out of your brain so you can do them automatically without having to rely on memory. And this is a really simple concept that, you know, as I read what he was saying about this, I thought, well, yeah. Of course, creating those checklists for things that you do over and over again to make sure you don't skip a step. he gives examples in the book, uh, and about how pilots use them and why they use them, uh, before they take off and it's surgeons that use them before during doing surgery. I think it, I think it was in the power of habit that Charles Duhigg talks about this. Um, I know it was one of those books, same kind of concept, the value of having a checklist for something that you think you know how to do it gets really easy to forget a step, miss a step and create problems and, you know, end up with errors. But you can make it easier to get the right results by setting up these systems, whether it's a checklist or whatever it might be. Uh, But that's a great section. And I really recommend that to you. So, Those are the three main sections of the book, talking about the effortless state, the effortless action, and the effortless results. And then he wraps up the book with some thoughts on what happens next matters most. And this was a section that really spoke to me because I have a tendency to periodically kind of get lost dealing with regret over the past, whether it's mistakes i've made, choices i made that didn't have the outcome i wanted, things that haven't gone well in my life and uh, you know you can get kind of lost in that and 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 have a hard time moving forward because you're kind of dwelling on the results that came from the mistakes you've made. But here's something he says in this section that i thought was so good. Whatever has happened to you in life, whatever hardship whatever pain, however significant those things are, they pale in comparison to the power you have to choose what to do now. Oh, I thought that was so good. Everything that's come before, and this is just me talking, this isn't what he says, but this is my thinking about it. Whatever has happened to us in the past, whatever we've done in the past, all whatever pain we've endured any of that all of that pales in comparison to the power we have to choose what to do now he goes on to say each new moment is a chance to start over a chance to make a new choice and so that's why he's talking in this section that that all the stuff that happened in the past it is what it is but what what happens next matters most We can learn from what's happened in our past or what we've done in the past and the, you know, the outcome of it, the consequences of it, but what happens next matters most. I just thought that was so good. So that's kind of the structure of the book and some of the key points in it. And then just in general, I think some, I wanted to share some of my overall key takeaways from the book and, uh, The things that he has to say in there. First of all, the importance of doing the thought work around the ideas that the most important stuff has to be difficult or tedious. That for a lot of us requires a lot of thinking, a lot of thought work. It starts with being aware that we're even thinking it. that, that we have this assumption that whatever is most important to us is really going to be difficult, is really going to be a challenge. Or, you know, that the essential things that we have to do are, are tedious and, and challenging. One of the things he said that I thought was really good is, believing essential activities are almost by definition, tedious, we are more likely to put them off or avoid them completely. At the same time, our nagging guilt about all the essential work we could be doing instead sucks all the joy out of otherwise enjoyable experiences. Separating work from play makes life harder than it needs to be. I just thought that was really good. Uh, And he has this whole section of ideas and and, uh, tips on basically Uh, joining play and work and finding ways to bring joy into those essential activities. And that's something else he says there that, uh, and I'm quoting here, but essential work can be enjoyable once we put aside the Puritan notion that anything worth doing must entail backbreaking effort why would we simply endure essential activities when we can enjoy them instead? By pairing essential activities with enjoyable ones, we can make tackling even the most tedious and overwhelming tasks more effortless. So I thought that was really good and very thought-provoking for me anyway. A second key takeaway for me was kind of a key message of the book basically that to buy ourselves the time we need for what matters most, we need to make the essential easier and the non-essential harder. And so for me, the idea there is figure out what are the essential activities in your life and brainstorm ways to make them easier and more enjoyable. So to make them easier, what can I do to make those essential tasks easier? Do I need to get the right tools? Do I need to streamline the process? What steps am I doing that could be dropped or simplified in the process of doing whatever this essential activity is? Um, He talks about creating rituals, what he calls habits with a soul, that give meaning to the activity. And he's got some really great tips in there. Uh, So there are lots of ways that you can make those essential activities easier. And then there are also ways to make them more enjoyable. Maybe you can adjust the environment, change the location where you do it to one you like better, or change the lighting or add music or get a better chair. Uh, Or can you pair that essential activity with another activity that you really enjoy. Uh, So again, he gets into that and gives some great examples, but it's something that's really got me thinking about some of the essential activities that I do. Even this last weekend, I usually do the bulk of my kind of deep house cleaning stuff on Saturday mornings. And, um, I, you know, it's essential. It needs to be done. I, I, find it rewarding to do it because i like the result of it but it's it, you know it 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 takes some time and it's very repetitive and i made it a little more fun this weekend by just wearing my airpods and listening to a podcast while I worked, and then I switched over and was listening to music that kind of got me dancing around a little bit while I cleaned the bathroom. So, you know, different, find different ways to make those essential activities enjoyable. As I said, he, he offers some very practical tips and ways of doing that. uh, And it's really got me thinking about that. Also in this, along this theme of making the essential easier and the non-essential harder He reiterates the importance of gratitude in making the essential things easier. And, you know, a couple of things he said that I kind of, you know, highlighted just because they spoke to me, the more you complain and the more you read and hear other people complain, the easier it is to find things to complain about. But on the other hand, he says, when you focus on something you are thankful for, the effect is instant. It immediately shifts you from a lack state, regrets, worries about the future, the feeling of being behind, and puts you into a have state. What is going right? What progress you are making? What potential exists in the moment? It reminds you of all the resources, all the assets, all the skills you have at your disposal so can you can use them to more easily do what matters. And again, this really spoke to me that, that basically complaining and focusing on, on what's wrong and what's difficult, or even just listening to other people complain, it, it makes it easy to find things to complain about and it makes it harder to get things done. So the antidote to that, he says, is to to create a, a gratitude mindset. He says, gratitude is a powerful, catalytic thing. It starves negative emotions of the oxygen they need to survive. So to do this, to change the habit of complaining to a habit of gratitude, you know, there are lots of reasons why you'd want to do that, but one of them and that's relevant to this book is because it makes it easier to do those essential tasks. So to, to do that, to change that habit, he created what he called a habit recipe. And that is, this was the recipe he came up with. After I complain, I will say something I am thankful for. And so he developed that r- rule for himself, that when he caught himself complaining, He'd finish the complaint and then he would say something he was thankful for. And over time, that changed his mindset. And then the third big takeaway for me from this book, Effortless, is was all about the power of the power to choose. And again, I, I, I quoted this above, but it's worth saying again, whatever has happened to you in life, whatever hardship, whatever pain, however significant those things are, they pale in comparison to the power you have to choose what to do now. And he also says this and why this matters, because in each new moment, we have the power to shape all subsequent moments. So it's all about our power to choose. We have the power to choose what we're going to do. We have the power to choose how we're going to think. We have the power to choose in any given situation, how we're going to handle it, how we're going to respond, how we're going to think about it. And in each new moment, he says, we have the power to shape all subsequent moments. So those were kind of my the the three biggest things I took from this book, the importance of doing that thought work about you know questioning that assumption that those things that are most important are going to be the most difficult. Uh, the importance of buying ourselves the time we need for what matters by making the essential easier and the non-essential harder, and the power to choose. and we all have the power to choose so. Some final thoughts, I guess, to sort of wrap this up, my my thoughts about this book. Uh, one of the things that I found myself thinking as I finished the book was most of us in the productive woman community care very much about making a life that matters, however it is that we each define it for ourselves. For a lot of us, part of that is feeling that we're making a contribution, that we're making a difference, that we're making the world Better in some way, whether it's the world at large or the world within the four walls of our home, and we spend a lot of time, energy, and attention pursuing different ways of doing that. Whether in business, in our relationships, or you know wherever we want to be the best version of ourselves, so we can make the best and most meaningful contribution to the world. And what I kept thinking about as I was. As I was reading this book and pondering it after I'd read it, there's nothing wrong with wanting to improve our skills to grow and be better so we can do more in the world or do greater things. But one thing he said in the book that stuck with me and provoked a lot of thought and self examination is this He said, The greatest gift we can offer to others is not our skill or our money or our effort, it is simply us. And this is a, in a section talking about the power of presence, about being there in the moment, especially when we're interacting with people, just be there, be present in a way that lets them feel noticed and heard. He talks quite a bit about this because it's what we all want. We all want to feel noticed. We all want to feel heard. That's what we all want. And that's why it's the greatest gift we can offer to others. And maybe the best thought to end with is the one he says is the one message he wants us all to take away from the book. And it's this, life doesn't have to be as hard and complicated as we make it. No matter what challenges, obstacles, or hardships we encounter along the way, we can always look for the simpler, easier path. And it's okay to do that. Like I said, that he, he says in the book, if you can only take one thing away from the, from the book, that's what he wants it to be. And I think it's worth pondering. So in general, what do I think about this book? Effortless didn't have the sort of wow impact on me that his book Essentialism did, but it did provide a lot of hmm, moments. (laughs) Moments when I read something that made me pause and think. And it also offers lots of ideas for very practical, actionable steps that I can take to make the best use of my time. And for that reason, those reasons, I guess, I, I highly recommend this book. It's very much worth reading. And I'd love to hear if, if you've read it what you thought of it, what were your takeaways? You can share those with us uh in the comments section of the show notes for this episode at the productivewoman.com slash three four nine. Or you can post a comment or question on the Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, uh, share your, you know, your takeaways there. Or if you haven't yet read Effortless, share what is a productivity-related book that you have read recently that you'd recommend. I'm always looking for good things to read to sort of inspire and motivate me, give me new ideas about how to make better use of my time and, and make a life that matters. If you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can always do that by emailing your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com. Or you can leave a voice message on the website. Uh, There's a little tab over uh, kind of on the right hand side that you can click on to leave a voice message uh, to share your thoughts and your feedback about this episode or anything else you want to share with me. Before we go, a couple of things, well, really just one thing. You might have heard me uh, sort of in the middle or toward the end of 2020 mention in, in a couple of episodes plans that I had. To host an in-person planning retreat here at my home in North Texas. I really had hoped to do it kind of toward the end of last year to, you know, get ready for 2021. But with COVID travel restrictions at the time, I just, I had to postpone it. I I do plan to host a retreat this year, 2021. Uh, and, and I'm going to do it. My plan right now is to do it in October. Uh, to kind of get ahead of the holiday season, but gather together to do some planning, some goal setting and, and all of those sorts of things to get ready for 2022. It'll be a small group. I will host no more than five women at the most at any retreat. Um, priority will be given honestly to those who have participated in a productive woman mastermind with me in the past, just because uh, th- those of you who've done that, you're familiar with kind of the approach that we take to planning and all that sort of thing. Uh, But, but I will, unless all the spots get taken, I will make it open to other women who are in the community who maybe haven't yet participated in a mastermind. The cost will be very minimal this first time. Um, Just, I will be asking you to, to kick in a bit, to cover the costs of food and some other things that we're going to do. But uh, if this is something that you're interested in, Uh, Send me an email at feedback at theproductivewoman.com to let me know that you'd be interested in joining me uh, with just a very small group of women uh, to, for a planning retreat, kind of a long weekend type of thing. And I'll share more specifics with you. As I said, I, I will only host no more than five women at a time. And I, I would love to have maybe get to meet you there. Uh, So let me know. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, I am so grateful to you for spending this time with me. I I hope you feel like it was worthwhile. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter.